Uh, Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. Thank you for uh, just being good to us, Lord. Uh, I pray that uh, you would just uh, bless the service today. There's a lot going on. There's been a lot of guests here today, I'm assuming. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the empty tomb. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, it gives us uh, so much purpose and uh, just victory in life, Lord. And so I do pray that you would speak to us today. Uh, that we would just uh, really worship you uh, as we should every week, but man, we would just really uh, just grab on to uh, the the magnitude of who you are and what you did uh, and what you will still do in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray you'd speak through me today. There's a lot uh, that I want to say. Uh, there's a lot that um, can really be trying to our lives. And so I pray that you would just be about all the details of uh, the things that will be said, the, the preached through Pastor Brian today. I pray that the egg hunt goes well with the kids. Thank you for the beautiful weather. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would just be excited about you. Uh, it's a good day to spend time with family and uh, to do all the things, uh, God, but I pray that we would just be uh, first and foremost uh, just enamored with you uh, and the fact that you are uh, what we couldn't be. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so if you got your Bibles, open up. Uh, we're going we're gonna to bounce around a little bit today, but open up to the book of Luke, chapter 24. And so uh, I was driving the other day and i passed by one of those uh those church signs you know they always put like whatever you know funny phrases or whatever and uh we don't have a church sign we mean we got a sign that says heartland but we don't put the funny phrases but uh, i think the title or maybe what they were going to preach on this week was uh why do we why do i don't remember exactly what it said but the way that i remember reading it was why do we keep going back to the tomb and i'm like well i'm not going to come to church because I'm going to be at church, but I started kind of just thinking through that this week and all of those things, and obviously it's been a minute since we've been in 1 Corinthians, and so I'm going to get back there next week and get going, but I've been just kind of thinking through uh, the resurrection and you know the fact that, that we should be uh, excited about that. We should be uh, just ready to go and do what God has called us to do. We just came off the vision conference. We just uh, had all of that going on. There's, there's a lot happening uh, at HBF. People are excited, and so I kind of had this this question rolling through my mind: Why do we keep going back to the tomb? And I want to read through this just uh, this excerpt or this passage, I guess, of uh, the resurrection, and then uh, kind of go from there. And I kind of had three just kind of reasons. I was kind of thinking through it in my brain of why we do just keep going back into the tomb and and all that. And so we'll get to that today. But let's just read through this Luke chapter twenty-four. Let me read through the first. Twelve verses here. It's just a account of the resurrection, account of what happened uh, 2,000-ish years ago uh, on this day and, and why we should be excited about it. And it says uh, in, in Luke chapter 24 in verse 1, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, they being uh, a couple of ladies, we'll read later who they are, uh, it says... Um, I'm sorry, uh, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. They were coming to uh, anoint the, the, the dead body of Jesus, and uh, they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they're like, oh, that's, that's interesting, that was a big rock, I'm guessing, you know, and it wasn't just like a circle stone like you see uh, in the in the depictions today. I'm guessing it was a very large rock that they put over the mouth of the cave, and uh, it says they... Uh, rolled away from the sepulchre and entered, and they entered in. I mean, why not, if it's open? Uh, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, very King James wording there, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. 
And as they were afraid, they bowed down their faces to the earth and said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? And that's kind of like the question that I've been rolling through uh, my mind uh, as I was trying to get ready for all this is, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you. He was yet in, uh, when he, uh, when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and in the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. It was kind of like, oh, the light bulb. Oh, I remember. Right? He did say that. Oh, yeah. And they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things to the eleven, meaning the eleven disciples, uh, minus Judas Iscariot, because, uh, he is, uh, now gone, and, and to all, uh, the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and uh, other women that were with him, which told these things unto the uh, apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, meaning like, you, I don't know what you think you saw, but uh, we know what happened here, and that's not the case. And they believed them not. Then uh, arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, behold, the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at which was to come to pass." So Peter now goes, he sees, he's like, oh, maybe they weren't lying. Uh, what in the world is happening, right? These guys are just like, I don't, what, what has happened? They don't understand what has happened. If they just would have paid attention to what Jesus told them when they were here. And so the question that I have, I've been kind of thinking through is why do we keep going back into the tomb? And so I kind of have three reasons why, three reasons why we seek the living among the dead. And what do I mean by that? We seek life among a dead world. We seek purpose among the things of just a, a lost and dying world. We seek all of the things that we think we want in all of the wrong places. And three reasons why we seek the living among the dead. And so i got to keep moving because I'm going to get done today because I'm not going to do this next week. So we've got to keep moving. I'm going to go fast today. So the first reason why we seek the living among the dead, why we keep going back into the tomb is this. We simply don't understand the gospel. And when I say we, I mean, if you're lost today, we don't understand the gospel. It's one thing to not believe the gospel. It's one thing to not apply the gospel. It's another thing completely to just not know what it says, to not understand it, right? To not understand the gospel. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Very simple. Uh, it's, it's very basic. Now, there's a lot of nuances that can go into it. There's a lot of things that can... Uh, end up being kind of confusing to understand but the basic understanding of the gospel is simply this first corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 4 if you're simply just trying to explain the gospel to somebody who has never heard it, this is what they need to hear. They don't need to hear about all of the the ins and the outs of why you go to church and all of the they need to know this right here moreover brethren first corinthians chapter 15 and verse uh, 1 I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you also have received. He's talking to the church, so he's talking about people who are saved, uh, and wherein you stand. By which also you are saved. You got saved by the gospel. If ye keep in memory that which I have preached unto you. Unless, well this is where other people fall into the category. Unless you have believed in vain. And then in verse 3 and 4, it's as plain as day what this is. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. So I couldn't give you something that I didn't have already. You can't give somebody the gospel if you don't have it already. It doesn't work that way. He says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that I have received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Okay, that's pretty simple. And that he was buried. Well, that's what happens when people die. We bury them. And that he rose again the third day. Now, that's where it gets kind of, whoa, what happened? That he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. 
The gospel is very simple. We, and in the church, I don't know why, we make it hard. The gospel is very simple. Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose again. The fact that he died, that's pretty easy. Uh, Have you ever met anybody or known of anybody in the world, no matter how good they were, great they were, uh, how much power they had, how much influence they had, everybody eventually is going to die. That's just the simple fact of life, right? He died. That part's easy to understand. That's easy to uh, explain to somebody who has never heard, hey, there was a guy who lived about 2,000 years ago, and you want to know what happened to him? He died. Okay, that's not shocking, right? Uh, I probably could have told you that, right? It doesn't matter. I don't even care who the guy was. He died. Okay, that's pretty simple. He was buried. Okay, well, that's what we do with dead people, right? It's pretty basic. When somebody dies, uh, we bury them. Even if we cremate them, eventually we usually do something with the ashes uh, and, and in turn, we, we somehow bury them. That's, that happened to Jesus. They buried him. With Jesus himself, they put him in a cave. Right? So you're like, well, they didn't really bury him. Well, he was inside the earth. That's the same thing as getting in a hole and throwing dirt on top of you. It's the same thing. He was buried. He was put in a cave, right? In some sort of a stone. I'm doubting that it was perfectly hewn, round, where they could roll it back and forth like the, you know, the, the plays show today. I'm doubting it was like that. But there was a large rock of some sorts, a stone, put over the opening of the cave. Okay, so that part, again, Okay, so there was a guy, you're telling me that there was a guy who lived a long time ago uh, and he died. Yep, okay, that's not hard to believe. And, and they buried him. Well, that's what we do with it. So, okay, the fact that people don't understand is this last part. It's the part that really changes what Jesus did that nobody else has been able to do. It says he rose again. What do you mean he rose again? On the third day, he had been put in the, in the tomb, they sealed it up, and on the third day, the next thing you know, it's open and he's gone, right? Now, there are some Bible critics that will tell you uh, that he was stolen out of there. Uh, they call that swooning, if you want to look up what that means and everything. Uh, that's a lie. Uh, there were guards there the entire time. Uh, there were people, witnesses there the entire time. Jesus himself uh, got out of the tomb, right? Uh, if you read in one of the other Gospels, it says that there was the sound of a great earthquake when this happened, right? And so uh, Jesus himself gets out of the tomb. He defeats death. Why is it important that he was gone out of the tomb? Why, why does it matter? It's like, okay, well, he's gone. Okay. This is what makes the Gospel impactful. He defeated the one thing that no other person in the world has ever or will ever do. He defeated death. He took what, what the world has to offer everyone... You might be like, well, the world has a lot of things to offer. The world has death to offer. That's all it has. Uh, It has what you think is gratification, but at the end of the day, it has death. It has death to offer, and he defeated that. That's like the one thing that Jesus did that nobody else could do. He lived perfect, and he died perfect. And the fact that because he lived perfect, he wasn't bound by death like we are. And I'm not like explaining this to anybody who hasn't heard this, but this is the first part of, you know, why we find we seek the living among the dead. We don't understand the gospel, right? He defeated death. And so people struggle understanding the gospel because they don't have, they don't really have a trouble understanding that portion of it. They have trouble understanding how it applies to them. Right? Understanding the gospel. Hey, there was a guy who lived. He, 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 he was, he died. He buried. He rose again. Okay. I believe that. How does it apply to me? That was a long time ago. This is where people struggle to understand the gospel. The gospel isn't hard. It's right there. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. They struggle understanding how it applies to them. They struggle understanding how it makes any difference in their life. Well, it's the same thing. We die. 
Uh, anybody here think that there's not going to be a day that they're going to not die? I'm telling you, you can watch all the superhero movies you want. You're going to die eventually. It just happens, right? Uh, Romans says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what what does that mean? That means that we uh, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. It says all that in Romans, right? It means that we are appointed death, and then after death, there's an appointment. There's an appointment with the man, Christ Jesus, God the Father, and you will have your time to explain why you didn't accept Christ if you're lost, right? Everybody gets that appointment. Everybody's looking for like the perfect alibi as to why. And I promise if you read in the book of Revelation, it's not going to be good for you at the great white throne, right? It is appointed unto man once to die and after the judgment. We all die. That's how the gospel applies. We all are buried, right? Again, dead people are buried. That's just what happens. But what, how does that apply to us spiritually? The old man has to be buried, If you're going to accept what Christ did for you, if you're going to take his blood and put it in your life and give him your tainted blood, if you're going to, you know, take the the blood transfusion that he's willing to offer you, the fact that he lived perfect and you're not, the old man has to be buried. We exchange our life for his. He says in the book of Matthew to take my yoke upon you for uh, for uh, my way is easy and light, right? You can give him your burden. You can give him all of that. Give it all away. We exchange our life for his. This is where it starts to get personal with people. You're like, oh, yeah, I, you struggle in life? Imagine that. Everybody else does too. There's a way that you don't have to. There's a way that you don't have to struggle and strive and feel like no matter what you do, you're just beating your head against a brick wall. Have you ever felt like that? Because that's what happens. We're all buried. We all have the opportunity to exchange our life for his. And the cool thing is we all can rise again, right? You're like, what? We all can... We all can rise again. It says in the book of 2 Corinthians 5.17 that uh, we are a, a new creature. Behold, all things are... Pa- or, or, what does it say? It's uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17. Let me flip over there and read this. Yeah, I just want to make sure I get the entire verse. Because uh, therefore, if... It doesn't say when. It says if any man be in Christ. Meaning you, you took that blood transfusion. You took his life upon you. You laid it down. You made him Lord. You repented of all of those things. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. You don't have to live like that anymore. Behold, all things are become new. That's how the gospel applies, right? People don't understand the gospel because they don't understand how it applies to them. It's easy to understand that Christ died. Most of the people in the world would agree to that. Yeah, it happens, right? Okay, it doesn't apply to me though. He died, he buried, he rose again. You're going to die. It is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. We will be buried. What are you going to do with it? Right? What are you going to do with it? Everybody will be born once. My wife revealed this to me one day. And I'm like, what? There was so much simplicity in that that I just wish I would have understood it myself. Everyone in the world will be born once. And everyone in the world will be born to, or will, will, will die once. It's appointed, right? Uh, anybody here that wasn't born, right? Uh, no, none of us came out of an Easter egg. It didn't happen, right? right? We were all born and uh, we will all die. But we have the choice in life to do one or the other a second time. You have, you have the you have the choice to do one or the other the second time. You can either be born again or you can die again. One or the other will happen. You will be born again. John chapter 3, right? Nicodemus is like, what? Right? Or you will die again. The second death into the lake of fire. 
You have the choice of which of the two you get to decide you want to do. Right? It's plain and simple. The gospel isn't hard to understand. It's hard to understand how it applies to us. And when you can explain to somebody that, hey, you have the choice. It's up to you. This happened. What are you going to do with it? Right? You want to know why we seek the living among the dead? We try to find fulfillment in all the wrong places. And it's because we don't understand the gospel. The lost world does not understand the gospel, so they will continue to seek the living among the dead. Now, I've got to keep moving because I'm guessing most people in here, like, you, you guys get it. You understand. This is past point. You're here early. i got to get to where I'm trying to get to. The second reason that we continue to seek the lost among the dead. Flip over to John chapter 20. Moving quickly. I could have turned this into... A four-week thing, and I'm not going to. John chapter 20. The second reason that we continue to seek the living among the dead, that we continue to go back into the tomb. Okay, so maybe you understand the gospel, but you don't believe the gospel. We don't believe the gospel. That's the second reason. We don't believe the gospel. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 29. Let me read this. John chapter 20, verse 19. That's, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I'm getting there. Hang on. Wrong, wrong book. John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, this is after he had resurrected. Mary had just seen him, right? The disciples at this point had seen him. He had revealed himself to the disciples, all but Thomas. Okay, so let's pick up where to. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, uh, where the disciples assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them, saying unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had uh, so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Uh, then were the disciples glad when they uh, saw the Lord. Uh, then said Jesus unto them, Peace be unto you, as my Father had sent me, even so I, I send I you. Uh, and when he had said this, he, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Verse 24, this is what I want to get to. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So he came, he showed himself. It's hard to, to not believe something that you see with your own eyes, right? You can't unsee something. Sometimes there's a lot of things you would like to unsee, but you can't unsee something. Thomas, he wasn't there. Then the other, or verse 25, the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. I don't care what you guys say. And after eight days, again, the disciples uh, were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them, saying, Peace uh, be unto you. Then said in, uh, he unto Thomas, he knows what has happened. He says to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither uh, thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. Thomas is like, I just don't believe it. You can tell me what you saw. You can tell me what happened in your life. You can tell me what you think you know. I just don't believe it. Share the gospel with somebody, and they're going to tell you the same thing. You can tell me what happened in your life. I'm, have, you ever, have you ever heard this? I'm glad that Jesus thing is working for you. It's just not for me, man. If I have heard that once, in like, especially in like uh, the lost, obviously the lost world, but uh, like the the world of people that I used to work around, construction worker kind of guy, those kind of. Uh, I'm really glad that Jesus thing is working for you, man, but it ain't for me. 
That's what Thomas basically just said. I'm glad you think you saw what you think you saw, but I don't believe it. Right? I'm glad that you think that gospel thing is something that's cool. I'm glad you want to go to church on Easter. I'm glad that you think that that's for your family, but it ain't for mine. Man, if, if I've heard that once, I've heard it a million times. The second reason we continue to go back to the tomb, fall back into that, that we continue to seek the living among the dead, is we don't believe the gospel. Just, be, just because someone tells you something doesn't mean you're going to believe it. I could tell you something just absolutely absurd, and you'd be like, all right, man, if you say so. <laughs> True belief in something will bring you to action. True belief in something will bring you to action. What do I mean? So, say you tell me that we're going to go... Uh, we're going to go skydiving. And I'm probably going to be like, have fun. But anyway, and, and we get in the plane and we're up there and you strap this thing to my back and you tell me there's a parachute in here. And when you pull the string, the cord, however the thing works, as you're falling very quickly uh, towards a sudden death, uh, if you pull this, it will open, right? Okay, so if I believe you, I'll jump. Maybe. <laughs> If I believe you, I'll jump because it's going to cause me to, to step out. But if I honestly don't believe you, if I honestly think there's nothing in this backpack, I promise there is nothing that you can do humanly possible unless you absolutely force me to get me to come out of that plane. Belief in something will cause you to some sort of action. It just does. When you believe something, if you tell me, hey, this will work, all right, I believe you. But if I don't believe you, there's going to be no action. It doesn't work like that. If I tell you, some of you guys got kids. Some of you guys here in a little bit are going to go walk around with little buckets or bags or however it works, and you're going to pick up these little eggs off the ground. And you're going to be like, this is the dumbest thing that I think I've ever seen. If I told you that one of those eggs had a million bucks in it, you wouldn't hear the rest of what I had to say because you're trying to get a head start on everybody, right? If you believed what I said, you would be out there the same way the kids are out there thinking that there is something in here that is just life-changing in one of these eggs. I promise. Go out there and watch these kids. Even if you don't have kids, go watch them. They will be running around thinking that something that's going to change their life is going to be in these eggs. And if somebody else tries to take the one that they're after, it will be detrimental <laughs> to either them if the kid is bigger than them or to the kid that's smaller than them, right? If they're bigger. It's just the way that it is. Because they believe. Their belief is causing them for some sort of an action. Well, let's make it a little more practical. Because I promise I didn't put a million bucks in one of those eggs. You got an entire Bible right here. Sitting in front of you probably. That's pointing towards a life in Christ. Is it going to cause you? Is it going to bring you to some sort of an action? Because if it doesn't, it's probably because you don't believe. It's probably because you're living a life like Thomas. The lost world doesn't understand the gospel, which we talked about on the last point. But the religious or the church world, the problem is a lot of them, they don't believe the gospel. They understand it just fine. They understand what it can do for their life. They understand that if they just applied it, that this would happen. But they just really don't believe it. They understand it. They understand that there are people that are bought into it. But they just simply don't believe it. They don't believe that it's worth it. There is a world of people who go to church every week. 
I'm not even talking about like the crazy whacked out cults. I'm talking about there are people that go to some sort of a religious system that don't believe the gospel. They understand it, but they don't believe it. They are Thomas to a T. If this book that you have in your life, if it doesn't bring about a daily call to action, you know how it brings about a daily call to action? You get in it daily. And it calls you to action. If this book doesn't bring about a daily call to action in your life to glorify Him with everything you have, then you really don't believe. I'll just call it what it is. If you really believe that this book was going to change your life, you would make time to be in it. I'm the first one to tell you, I, I don't read every day sometimes. Right? I'm trying I, with everything that I can to do it. But what I'm telling you is if there's not a, a grievance that I didn't get in the book because it's not changing my life, are you really believing? You can tell me all the day long, yeah, I believe what the Bible says. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're not living it. You're not living it. You're not acting it. You're doing a bad job of like, we're talking like the worst acting that anybody's seen. Right? It's terrible. James 2.18. I'll just read it unless you want to flip over there. James 2.18. This is, this is really practical about this point right here. James says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you the, uh, show thee my faith by my works. What he's basically saying is, you can tell me all the day long that you have this, and I'm just telling you by the eye test, you ain't got it. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut, I'm not gonna say a word, and I'm just gonna live it. And at the end of the day, somebody can behold both of our lives, and who do you think they're gonna believe? The person who popped off with the mouth all the time, the person who actually lived it. That's what he's saying. You can understand the gospel all you want. Do you believe it? Do you believe it enough to do something about it? Is there a call to action in your life because you believe that there's truth in it? Because if not, man, you're playing church. And it's a mess. And not only are you making a fool of yourself, you're making a fool uh, of your family or those around you, you're making a fool of the church that you come to, right? You're making a fool of Christianity as a whole. There's a reason why the world says Christians are hypocrites because for the most part we are. For the most part we don't live it. For the most part we don't care and we don't do anything about it. It's, it's, it's messed up. We don't believe. You want to know why you keep going back? to the tomb, you want to keep going back into the tomb, you keep going back trying to seek the living among the dead, it's because you don't believe the gospel. If we don't truly believe the gospel, we will continue to seek the living among the dead. And the third reason, this is the one I wanted to really get to, and I've got just a few minutes to do it. i got seven minutes, six and a half minutes. I'm going to be done. We don't live victoriously in the gospel. Victorious in the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15. This is where the rubber really meets the road, as Brian would say. The very beginning of this chapter, we saw the, the gospel in its truest form. He was, he died, he buried, he rose again. When you get to the end of this chapter, there's a lot of really good things in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to spend a lot of time there here, uh, whenever we get there. I don't even know how long it'll be. We're going through 1 Corinthians. Whenever we get there, we're going to spend a, a lot of time in, in 1 Corinthians, right? Um, but we don't live victorious in the gospel. Hey, we, we unlock that door, Rachel. Uh, we don't live victorious in the gospel. The, the third reason, it's all good. The third, the third reason that we still continue 
to go back into the tomb. The third reason that we still seek the living among the dead. We don't live victorious. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 47 to 58. Let me just read this. Because this is where a lot of quote-unquote Christians are at. You believe, you're saved, you're doing the best you can, but you don't feel like there's any victory in your life. This is why. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47. It says, The first man uh, is of the earth, earthy. He's talking about the Adam. Back in the garden. He's talking about Adam. We're all created in the image of our dad. Right? Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, man, I look like my mom. Man, I look like my dad. I wish I didn't, but I do. Right? There's, uh, there's tons of songs. Right? I walk like him. I talk like him. All the different things. It, it is what it is. Right? Every little kid wants to be like their dad, and then they get older, and they want nothing to do uh, with, with their, their dad. That's just the way it is. It's the, it's the natural progression uh, of life. Right? And then they move out, and then they're like, well, maybe it wasn't so bad, right? But anyway, it's just the natural... Pre- so he says, we're all, we're all like Adam. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man, meaning Jesus Christ, is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, meaning as was Adam, such are they also that are earthy. We act like our dad does. We act sinful. And as is the heavenly, such are they that also that are heavenly. So you're going to act like your physical father until you... Get saved. And then at that point, you should start acting like your heavenly father. I'm going to get somewhere with this. Verse 49. And as uh, we have borne the image of the earthy, meaning you look like them, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. You might not look like it, but you should act like it. You're going to bear the image. You're not going to have the image. You're going to bear the image. Verse 50, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. You can't have both sides. You're either one or the other. And then verse 51 is where it really gets good. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Meaning at some point there will be some Christians that are alive that will be raptured out before uh, before uh, they die. At some point there will be some Christian that that happens to. It may happen today. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen... A long time from now, right? If you look, and it doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into all the current events. Like I'm just saying, there will be a time when there will be some sort of Christian that that it says they will be changed. Uh, uh, they, they will not all sleep, meaning die, but they will be changed. Okay, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, meaning the body that you were born with, must put on incorruption. And this mortal, meaning the body that you were born with, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, when you have been changed in Christ with the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, when you have taken it, not just understood it, but applied it, believed it, when you have taken on the incorruption, and this mortal put on immortality, so uh, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have been put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death no longer has a hold on you. The same way that death no longer had a hold on Christ, when you take that blood transfusion, when you take Christ's blood and give him your messed up life, your messed up blood, all of that, death is swallowed up in victory. Who cares if I die? I mean, obviously, I'm not out looking to die. I've got a family to take care of. I've got kids to raise. i got a lot of things in life that I aspire to do. Get people saved. But what I'm saying is if it was to happen, I'm not going to be the guy that's like, it's the worst thing in the world. Uh, You mean to tell me that I don't have to fight 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life anymore. You mean to tell me that I get a glorified body, I get to spend an eternity with Christ, uh, my family uh, who is saved will eventually be there with me? Like, that's not the worst case scenario. So what I'm telling you is like death no longer has victory. Every lost person in the world comes to a realization that I'm going to die and there's somewhere I'm going to go and it's probably not going to be good. When you realize that there's something you can do about it and there's peace in that, death no longer has victory. Verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. You want to know why death is so bad? It's because sin is so bad. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, because of that, because you have that truth, because you know that, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, in, not, not most of the time, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. The third reason that we find ourselves seeking the living among the dead, we find ourselves continuing to go back into the tomb is because we don't live victorious. It says right there that we can, but we don't. Too many Christians understand and even believe the gospel, yet they do not have victory in the gospel. They understand it. They're saved. But man, they just can't get out of their own way. You ever met anybody like that? They just they just continue to go back. There's multiple times in, in, in the Bible where it talks about it's like a dog going back to its vomit. And you're like, oh, that's gross. Uh, I'm telling you, you want to see a, a Christian go back to the same sin over and over again? That's pretty gross too. And that's what happens. They continue to return to the same sin. They continue to believe the same lies. You're not good enough. You can't do that. You won't do this. They continue to go through the same cycle of ups and downs because there's no true victory. This is where we're at as Christians. We understand the gospel. We even understood it enough to believe it for the most part. Right? But man, we just we just don't live victorious. What if Christ, let me just ask you this, and obviously he didn't, but what if Christ continued to come back to the tomb? What if he like got out and he's like, woohoo, I'm out. This is good. Like the world can live. But then he's like, well, but I'm supposed to be back. I'm supposed to be dead. Right. And he just continued to go back. He never could just get over the victory. He never could just get over himself or, well, I'm not, I'm supposed to be dead though. Right. They hung me on a tree. I'm supposed to be. What if he would have continued? If he would have continued to go back to the tomb, we would have had no hope. Well, let me just tell you, Christian, if you're saved, if you continue to go back to the same sin, there's no hope. There's hope in eternal life, but I'm telling you, there's no hope of victory. There's no hope of living a life that is, that's got purpose. You want to know why so many Christians are like, I just don't understand why I can't... You fill in the blank. It's because you don't believe that Jesus is enough. You don't believe... That he's got enough power to change your life. Yeah, he's he's Jesus. He can change people's life. But that's for everybody else. You don't understand how messed up I am. You want to know why? It's because you don't believe it. You'll never be victorious until you believe it. He didn't go back to the tomb. So why do we? The Bible says that we can do most things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Actually, that's not what it says. I might in some version. I don't know. It says that we can do all things through Christ. Not, you know, through Christ. Meaning, if you allow Him to be a part of it, you can do all things through Christ. i got to be done. Stop seeing the living things of God 
among the dead things of the world. Stop seeking the living things of God among the dead things of the world. We have this desire to be uh, sold out for Jesus, but we can't even like buy in a little bit. Like, how does that even make sense? You won't buy in a little bit, but you want to be sold out. Stop seeking the living things of God among the dead things of the world. Stop going back to the tomb where your old man was left. You put the old man in the tomb, walk away from it. You went to the altar and you laid it down. Stop picking it up when you leave. Be new. Be victorious. Stop giving in to the same old lie that Christ died to give you victory over. Because, man, you're believing something that He has already defeated. So the joke's on who? It's not on Him because He's done the work. Stop going back to the world and let today, if you need to, be the first true and real day of an empty tomb in your life. Because there's a lot of Christians, I would even say a lot of saved people, that don't have an empty tomb in their life. Jesus' tomb's empty, but theirs isn't. Because they just can't step out. The, the, you are dead to, you're dead in the world. You have no hope. You can be as good as you want to be. You are in the tomb. The rock is over it. You're dead. And then what happened? Jesus came along and he like dynamite blew the rock off the, the, the face of the cave. It is gone. And all you got to do is step out. And we're so freaking scared to get out of the tomb. We're so messed up in life that we're like, but if I leave, then, then I won't have all this stuff. And maybe today needs to be the first day that you're like, it's daylight out there. And I can live victorious if I just step out. Man, we have the power because we have Christ. But the problem is we we don't understand it, we don't believe it, and we don't have victory in it. Right? And there's so much truth in that, and there's so many other things I wanted to say, but I went over by like four minutes, so I'm sorry. Go get your kids quickly so they're not the kids that don't get any eggs because I can't have that on my conscience. So uh, let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Uh, there's so much power in it. I thank you for the empty tomb that not only uh, signified uh, what you did, but what we can do in our life, Lord, if we just step out. And so, God, you're good to us. I pray that we wouldn't be the Christian who continues to go back, the Christian who continues to return, who continues to believe the messed up lies in the world because we just can't have victory. Lord, we have victory in you. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new if we would just live it, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray for those who, who heard this and I pray for those who will hear this online that there would be something in their life that would provoke them to action because if there's a belief in something, there's an action that is provoked. And Lord, I pray that that action is to draw closer to you and believe that you are who you said you are. Lord, thank you for just the amazing uh, reality of what today means and the fact that you're gone. Uh, because that means that I don't have to be condemned to death anymore. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. I pray that you'd preach through Pastor Brian this morning, change our lives, uh, just give us a great time with family today, with our kids, uh, that it would just be a day focused on you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, if you got kids, go get them. I hope I don't really get five minutes. <laughs>